Hey guys, welcome to For the Joy, a podcast seeking to inspire and encourage Christ followers as they engage the world with the gospel. I'm Nathan Garrett, your host, and thanks for joining. Well, hello. Welcome back to For the Joy. It has been way too long since I've been on the podcast. It's been a bit of a crazy year, but finally getting my act together, at least for now, to get some episodes published. Uh, first of all, I wanted to mention that I finally come up with a way to engage with you guys as my listeners. Uh, set up an email address so that you can reach out to me with ideas, suggestions, and even comment on something that has encouraged you. The email address is forthejoypodcast at gmail.com. Simple enough, so I really look forward to hearing from you. That's forthejoypodcast at gmail.com. Now, at least for the foreseeable future, we're going to be moving forward with some interviews with some of our wiser and more experienced leaders. My goal is to take advantage of their different perspectives, valuable lessons they've learned, and to really try to soak up their wisdom as we strive to follow their example as Christ-centered leaders. This first interview is with the International Director of SEND International, Warren Jansen. Warren brings a lot of unique perspectives as far as how to best engage with unbelievers, how to stay youthful and humble throughout the years. I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. So without further ado, here's my interview with Warren. Well, good morning, Warren. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Nathan? Doing really well. It's so good to see you. I know it's it's super early over where you're at, so really appreciate you being on this. Yeah, you bet. Glad to be with you. Well, um, I just want to open up the, the podcast uh, asking, can you just describe a little bit of, of how God has has uh, guided your your life and ministry, where where you've been and uh, and how you came to who you are today? Wow, that's, yeah, big question to get through that. Um, I think it's, uh, I met Dorothy in college, uh, my wife, and after college, we pretty much were right on the track of missions. We both had a previous experience. I did one year teaching English in Japan. She did two years working as a nurse in Nepal, Mountain Hospital, way out in in the villages uh and so we both had that experience coming back to college and after you know some gap year and getting into um a focus on missions so we were both on track for that then the lord led us to japan for 16 years with sen international and then to detroit for nine years and now we're in our eighth year here in, in abbotsford just outside of vancouver canada um, and I'd say our, our journey has been uh, one of always learning, uh, learning about discernment, learning language, learning culture, learning teaming, learn, learning to follow Jesus in those settings, and then learning more about ministry in a cross-cultural context, learning about administration and leadership, uh, learning about following Jesus in, in that realm, and then uh, learning about collaboration and developing strategy and teaming and training. Uh, and then again, just learning about following Jesus in, in those contexts. Um, I've reflected back on our journey and <clears throat> whereas some people get, um, you know, a passion and a call to one people group or one country or one kind of ministry. Um, and that's great. Uh, that, that's what we thought our lives would be like, and that's what we intended and we're focused on. Uh, we talk about God having, or we talk about the progressive nature of God's call in our lives, where first it was to church planting in Japan, disciple making in Japan. And then it was to, um, you know, leading a global organization from another country. We aren't Americans, we're Canadians, and so we were living in the U.S. and leading a global organization from there. And then, you know, family situations brought us back to our home country and back to where my wife grew up, um, And then, but still in a virtual kind of leadership role here. So these have, it's this progressive nature of God's leading in our life that has brought us into these different contexts where we've always had this posture of learning, like, okay, so what is 
following Jesus look like in this context and in this role? And that's been a real interesting journey. Really, really fascinating. Wow, that is, that is fascinating. Um, so to talk about your, your time in Japan, um, why do you think you thrived there? <laughs> and what would you say your, your best practices were in your, your church planning ministry? Yeah, thriving um, is an interesting term. It's like, you know, I think about body surfing and, and catching the wave and being on top of the wave. You know, I think all of us have those TikTok, Instagram moments in our lives, but, but life is so much bigger than that. It's, it's so much more um, complex and filled with ranges of experiences. So if I think of, of the whole of life and, and maybe more, why did we stay in Japan? You know, because it was hard. Uh, why did we continue on and still be passionate about the Japanese? Um, I think looking at that bigger context and that whole experience, I would say it's a, it was a trust in and obedience to the purposes of God. It was a commitment to people. And it was, it was a commitment to have fun in the midst of those relationships. Uh, we really focused on having fun with our coworkers, having fun with our Japanese friends, having fun, you know, in all of those relationships and contexts. And my wife especially was really good at, at creating an environment where people came and enjoyed themselves. Uh, so that was a big deal for us. I think we were willing to take risks. We were willing to try stuff. And with that, I think uh, we were also willing to um, seek out the ideas of others and synthesize the best and then go after those things. So we were very collaborative, even though I didn't use that word back then. But uh, if I look back on it now, we were, we were are very collaborative and you know, bringing people in and drawing them around and, and trying to create a fun, energized environment and then taking risks and trying stuff and being willing to fail. I think that that was, you know, together with a passion for Jesus, a passion for his name among particularly the Japanese people, that's what helped us to stay uh, in difficult circumstances. Hmm. So could you uh, give an example or two of, of how you created that fun environment? What kind of things you would you would do with with others? Yeah, so um, February, cold, rainy, Dorothy says, hey, let's have a Bahamas bash party. So we crank up the heat in our house. We, we take towels and we tack them to the walls. We, I go online and I figure out how to make, you know, funky drinks, you know. Um, and, and then we invite our Japanese neighbors over and we say, we're just having a party, you know. And, and that, that was so different in that context. People didn't do that kind of thing. Um, any kind of holiday, we always had an event going on. Any kind of Japanese holiday, we were at the beach, we were at, you know, at the park, we were creating a family day, we were always creating events that we could invite people to, um, or, or we would go to their events, we would go to their celebrations, we would go to their festivals uh, with our neighbors. Uh, but always, anytime that we could be with people and just have fun together, and, you know, you know, it's like speaking a, a second language. Um, you'll walk, you'll constantly be walking into situations where you don't have the, the nouns for that. You know, you, you just, you know, you forgot them or you just don't have them. You don't know how to talk about, you know, whatever clowns and Ferris wheels because you don't have those words. So you are constantly, you know, just blundering through language all the time, but just giving or like going for it and, um, and getting people to laugh and getting people to relax and be comfortable with your humanness. Uh, we were, we were constantly doing that. Mm. That's beautiful. We don't, we don't talk too often about um, drawing others in to, to a closer relationship just through, through fun. That's sometimes yeah. the best way to minister. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so when when did you first see yourself as a leader um, in Japan, and and uh, did you ever take an official leadership role on your team there? Sure. Um, growing up, I played a lot of sports, <clears throat> different sports, and I was often the captain of those teams. So I had I had a, a confidence 
and also a sense of responsibility for the team. Uh, and so when we got to Japan, um, it was after five years that I took up team leadership. And then it was after about 10 years that I took up area leadership. And then it was after 16 years that I took up global, like send global leadership. So they were, you know, in those incremental chunks where I was free. You know, we walked in, we were learning language, we were under a, a team leader, we were in a team. And then it was, you know, that team, our team leader had to actually moved us to the area director. And so I became team leader then. And then, and then he, um, moved on and then I moved into area leadership. So it's was, it was kind of fun following Yokichi Suzuki, uh, my team leader, my area director, my mentor in Japan. <clears throat> Very cool. So um, what were kind of the, the first things that you, you discovered you needed to know as you stepped into those positions? <laughs> um, working through complex situations, holding, holding differing views and tension and navigating relationships, bringing people together, finding solutions in, in complex situations. Uh, you know, now or later, I learned about crucial conversations and crucial confrontations and, and methods of how to do that. But early on, <clears throat> it was just like, how are we gonna, you know, how do we work through this situation? Um, a lot of failure and then learning from that failure. Um, a lot about being an intentional and not just assuming stuff is gonna happen or it's gonna work out, uh, but being really intentional about, okay, so uh, what's my role in this and what can I do to, to be a good steward of that in this certain context? So yeah, those, are, yeah, those are the first couple of things I think that, that really became important early on. Mm-hmm. So 16, 16 years in to Japan, um, you get the request uh, to be the international director. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, like you were, if, I, if I'm doing the math correctly, you were in your, young, your early 40s. Yep, 40, so, yeah, one, I think, yeah. So... <clears throat> That's really young to jump into such a huge um, position. What do you think? I, I, you know, speaking humbly, of course, because I know you are. But what do you think caused them to look at you? What what qualified you in their eyes? If if you can can guess, yeah. That's probably better answered by those who are doing looking. <laughs> but you're asking me sure. right here. Um, so I think um, in Japan, I had the experience of figuring out how do I lead this team? Uh, how do we organize this team? How do we make decisions in this team? How do we plan in this team? And then I had the opportunity to do that for uh, an area of 75 people. You know, How do we make plans for the whole area? How do we negotiate you know, differences? How do we organize and and be accountable with each other and, and, you know, and for our, our purposes in the country, how do we, then I got into the place of how do I collaborate with the Japanese national church, how to send collaborate with the Japanese national church. So I think people saw in there is some ability to do those things, uh, a high degree of intentionality and, and a real drive to constantly make this better constantly, you know, try to learn and grow and serve well, give, a phrase I often was using was giving my best in the service of others. Yeah. You know, and so, but being super intentional about that. Um, I think people saw, at least I heard comments uh, during that transition in that time that they saw in me the ability to ask questions and to synthesize answers into actions. Uh, I, I was able to, um, facilitate a room full of people talking and thinking and coming together and deciding on some actions. I think that was a pretty big thing. And then, like I said before, the ability to hold intention diverse views. And of course, what was the most crucial thing was just a passion 
to see the name of Jesus worshipped among the unreached. Uh, and that definitely is the driving driving beat in my heart. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm glad they made the decision they did because um, <laughs> I think you've done an amazing job. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, so um, I know that when they first asked you, this wasn't exactly what what you wanted, right? Uh, can can you go into into that like process of praying through it and and kind of I'm, I'm thinking of all the the conversations I'd be having in my head like maybe it's it's good in this way but it's hard and, and just you know yeah what was that process yeah. like? Well, it came at a, at a at an inopportune time. Um, Dorothy and I had just kind of we're getting excited about launching a new church plant. We were in negotiations with some people to form a new team and go out and do a new plant. We were, we were just like on the precipice of a lot of great things that we were anticipating, looking forward to. And then we get this call in the middle of the night, the person calling and got the time change wrong. So here I'm area director and the phone rings in the middle of the night. And that's usually an emergency, right? So I pick it up you know, wide awake really quickly. And they're like, Hey, Warren, we'd like you to consider, you know, being um, one of the candidates for the international director. And, you know, my first response was, yeah, but no thanks. Uh, we got all this stuff to do in Japan. We, we were called to Japan, you know, um, and he said, please just think about it. So Dorothy and I, the next day and for that next week, we both um, said, okay, we will, we will think about it and we'll, we'll take it to the Lord. And uh, we would both at the end of the day kind of share our devotional, you know, whatever we encountered in our, in our day with the Lord. Um, and both of us had pretty specific um, directive moments where we both felt that we needed to be willing. Uh, no matter what they decide, you know, I was just one of other candidates. And no matter what they decided, we just needed to be willing. So we came to the place of saying, okay, we're willing. And we told them that. And then their process continued. And then I was selected. And then it, you know, then all of a sudden, oh, okay. So being willing has to turn into now being obedient and following uh, in this, what we believed were was the discernment of the Holy Spirit through these people and through this process. Yeah, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. It, it was because our kids were in a good spot. You know, we have three boys. They were all in school there and, and had good friends and a good situation. And to take them out of that and go to, not, not, not to go home, but to go to another country and to go through that process of becoming, you know, um, legal citizens there and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it was a big deal. Mm. Wow. So um, throughout your years of ministry, both in Japan and also as the international director, um, what have you done to, to build and to maintain your character? Mm. Uh, this is going to sound really boring and basic, but it is for me, I think, the truth that uh, just pursuing Jesus, you know, being an apprentice, being a disciple, and um, being with him, uh, and in doing so, becoming more like him, taking on his lifestyle, not just knowing the truth, but taking on the lifestyle, and then doing the things that Jesus did. Uh, so being, you know, being that disciple, pursuing him, and by pursuing him in community. So I have always, wherever I've lived, I've tried to find people that I can meet with, be accountable to, and do the journey together. Uh, that's huge for me, uh, having a, a group of guys and a group of uh, marrieds that we can be with and be meeting with and do life together with. That's been super important to us. And, and then I can be accountable to those people. Um, I think the willingness to take on bigger things <clears throat> has definitely developed my character. Uh, the willingness to, like, as I said before, being willing to, to be selected for this role. I was willing, I became willing then to become the, the chairman of uh, Mission Nexus, well, what became Mission Nexus, and, and to go through the process of, you know, leading two entities to become one and 
that's now missio nexus. Just being willing to take on bigger things and bigger challenges, I think, really pushed me into areas of dependence that I otherwise could have played it safe and then could have done it in my own strength. But here I was putting myself out beyond my expertise, beyond my training, beyond my my years of wisdom, and um, then so utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide, to provide, to help with discernment, to lead in discernment, and to uh, get those things done. And so those are a couple of things, I think. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, what books and resources have been helpful to you in growing you as a, as a leader? Just you know, yeah, I, uh, you asked that question immediately. I'm thinking of the stuff I'm currently reading, <laughs> I'm currently following. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, it, it's different content for different seasons. <clears throat> and it's not only books, but it's people, you know, um, people that uh, peers that have come alongside me in the journey or mentors that I would tap into and be able to ask questions of. But early in my life, you know, I did a lot of reading about how to organize the seven habits of highly effective people, you know, building trust, those kind of things, how to build a strategy and lead a team and organization. I read a lot of Patrick Lencioni and um, a lot of organizational kind of stuff. And then, you know, kind of more mid, I was into, oh, wow, we have a multicultural team here. So, um now I forget her name, um, an author who wrote The Culture Map, you know, and I did a lot of the culture kind of study and trying to understand cultures. And, and then how to develop vision. Uh, Andy Stanley wrote a good book on, on developing vision, how to deal with conflict. You know, I talked about crucial conversations uh, by a group of, of authors. <clears throat> um, how to lead in a virtual world. Uh, when I left Detroit and moved back to Canada, moved to just outside of Vancouver here, I had to lead virtually. I had to learn how to uh, create community online and, you know, process things online and, and then travel with that. So read some stuff on that. Um, <clears throat> and dealing with change, Cotter's um, Eight Steps to Change, uh, super helpful book. Um, and now... In, well, I don't know, but now I am really diving into, again, just what does it mean to follow Jesus? And John Mark Comer has become one of my yes. favorite authors yes. and uh, teachers. And so his book on the ruthless elimination of hurry. And then I think it's to Live No Lies. Tell No Tell Lies. No lies. Something, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It, Dorothy has it upstairs. She's reading it now. But uh, yeah, you know, those, those kind of like really base following Jesus, you know, Sabbath, um, silence and solitude, fasting, uh, you know, reading the word and and soaking the word, those kind of practices have become, again, really important. It's not like they were not important, but now, man, they're they're really being highlighted as as character building and um, fruit producing. You know, I, I can't sit here and think, oh man, you know, I'm gonna, gonna produce an apple, you know, I'm gonna produce this fruit, like, you know, squeeze that thing out now. It's, it's like, I have to be abiding, and we know it, you know, but abiding in the vine, and then this fruit gets produced in your life, then love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, you know, those things just kind of radiate out from you, but it, it's not about focusing on them per, as much as it is about focusing on your relationship with Jesus and and the spirit's presence, you know, with you in everything, being attuned to that presence and, and doing things in the name of Jesus. Those things now have really taken uh, um, my my individual growth plan for this year is all about, you know, how do I practice that way of life? How do I step into those disciplines? How do I deepen those disciplines in my life and become more like Jesus so that these great fruit will then be produced in my life and through me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things we have to to remember every day that if we really want to make disciples, we've got to be one first. And absolutely, it it just it it seems so slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so um, it's hard to to remember. Oh no, I need to 
focus on that, um, focus mm-hmm. on my time with Jesus. If, yeah. and, and I can't do anything apart from him. So mm, thank you. Um, what role did pain and suffering play in your growth as a disciple and a leader? <laughs> Constant companion? <laughs> uh, I think uh, pain and suffering, I, I don't, like I, I have not, you know, had any bad physical ailments. I've not had any um, thing like that. But I, when I think of pain and suffering, I think of relationships. You know, uh, I think those struggles really keep you humble, and they really keep you dependent. That no, I, you know, not my friends, my coworkers have heard me say, I'm not smart enough to, you know, to figure this out. I just. Uh, and those moments, which are often, uh, just keep you humble and keep you dependent and keep you vulnerable, um, which is all a good thing. Uh, the Lord loves to work through our weakness. I think it's not God's intention that we, are, we should be adequate for our tasks. <clears throat> I think it's his intention that we should be inadequate so that his adequacy, his sufficiency can shine through. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that we recognize it is not it's not us and this formula or this strategy. It is Jesus working through whatever, you know, whatever we've in our uh, pursuit of discernment and wisdom have chosen to do. It's him working through that. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the role of pain and suffering is absolutely essential for a disciple and for a leader because it is the way in which God chooses to work through us and in us to grow us, to make us more dependent, to make us more tuned into his presence and his work, and then to get done those things that we couldn't get done on our own. Oh, I'm going to be chewing on that. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> Um, so one of the, the main reasons I'm, I'm wanting to, to do a series of interviews is because, um, I see my generation, the millennials and then Gen Z, um, feel like we have a lot of weaknesses, a lot of blind spots, um, and a whole lot to learn from, from older leaders. And, um, so just from, from what you have seen, what are strengths and weaknesses you see in the younger generations um, and, and potential blind spots? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> there's lots of podcasts and blog posts about <clears throat> those kind of things. But I think what I see is a passion for authenticity that I believe is going to bring some good correctives to the facades that we have, that my generation has, about bigger is better professional is better, specialist is better. And and in its place, in that place, identify and elevate the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in the least expected people and in the least expected structures. That does not mean that we stop sharpening our skills. That does not mean that we stop developing our abilities, but it does mean that we stop elevating to celebrity status, those who do have great skills and ability and stop mm-hmm. defaulting to just, well, let them do it. Uh, let mm-hmm. somebody else do it. And, and stop being involved because we'll never be like, you know, whoever your superhero is in ministry. Now, authenticity, like I am, I'm very geeked on my kids' authenticity and the, the you know, the authenticity of, of the millennials and Gen Z. And I think it's super powerful, again, for bringing this corrective to, to what we've been working on. But there is a shadow side uh, to authenticity. <clears throat> it, it's very, me, or it can be a very me-centered culture. Got, if I look at social media, like maximum opinion with minimum responsibility is the norm throughout social media, um, where feelings drive your faith, where self and not God or the Bible is authoritative, where you do you translates into you know, the way to be happy and, and have this thriving life is to follow your heart. And any authentic desire is okay. Like, that's where I think authenticity goes, goes out of bounds. Um, 
And, and then happiness becomes about feeling good but, and not necessarily doing good. Mm. So knowing that shadow side of authenticity, I still have tremendous hope that in a Jesus-centered authenticity uh, from these coming generations, uh, that they are going to lead us into a place of, of uh, a corrective on what church looks like, what leadership looks like. And again, will we'll help us to discover that uh, in the least of these, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is acting and there is presence and there is power in these things. So I am, I, I love it. I like bring it on, uh, but just let's all be aware of, of the shadow side of, of, you know, authenticity. Mm. Thank you. Um, what what learning priorities do you see would be um, especially beneficial for for younger leaders, um, especially with Send specifically? Um, well, as you've been as we've been talking about already today, just that personal discipleship. How are you being with Jesus? How are you becoming like Jesus? And, and how are you doing what Jesus did? How are you taking on that lifestyle so that the, the fruit of, of that life can develop? Um, and then I'd say uh, to not only know what is right and intend to do what is right, but it, to put into practice the lifestyle that will make our desires a reality. Um, when I was learning language in Japan, <clears throat> I regularly pray for the gift of tongues. I regularly, like, come on, Jesus, like, please, just, <laughs> this is brutal. Come on, you know, and I, I really want to serve you here, and it would be great if I could be fluent, like, now. Uh, so I regularly prayed for that. That was my desire, and I wanted to shortcut it there. Um, whereas I think, well, I, I'm pretty sure God's intention was for me to develop the habits of learning and the habit of reviewing and the habit of practicing and the habit and the, the posture of being vulnerable and the, the habit of growing, that those things were going to serve me for my whole life, not just for learning Japanese in those early years, uh, that that was more important than just, you know, instantly getting the language and being able to talk and be fluent and then go out and you know, as a naive um, young guy going out and saying things that I should never be saying. So um, I, I think developing, taking the time, and, you know, you said before, man, that that's a, you know, practicing the presence of Jesus. You didn't say in that those words, but I think that's what you were talking about was it's such a long, slow road, right? And I think, well, that's exactly it. You know, for us to um, develop the habits of, learning of review of dependence of vulnerability of of you know uh, practice that those things will serve us well over the long term even though it's like well short term you're not seeing the kinds of um, things that you would hope for immediately mm -hmm. yeah i i think uh, all of us who've gone through the language learning process have have been at that point where it's like why? <laughs> I just want to yeah, know. It. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's super super beneficial. I mean, because because we have to be dependent in that too, not only on him, but also on other people who are helping right. us with the language and yeah. it's about can strengthen our relationships and um yeah. yeah, and also help people to to get comfortable with us because they can laugh at us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's good to have that uh that perspective going into it. I know um, I felt just like a complete failure um, at the beginning. And so it's now it's one of my passions for, for the missionaries who come on, like, this is, this is your job. And if you don't get anything else done, except this, you're doing it. And because right. you don't, you don't get that after, after you're in full-time ministry, you don't get that time. Mm. Uh, yeah. So to really take advantage of it. Right. Right. Um, so one of the things that I've, I've always loved about you since, um, we had the pleasure of getting to know you is just how, how much you like to play. And, and like, I still remember when we were at our, um, our cop, how you were just all, even with the younger kids and with us just playing mm -hmm. lots of games. And, uh, we, we, 
finally got a good game of Coob um, here. So <laughs> we, we like to play that in the summers. Um, but anyways, how, how, how do you stay young at heart and, and joy filled, even despite yeah. all the challenges you face? Uh, I don't take myself too seriously. Don't think that it all depends on me. Uh, hang out with fun people. Uh, keep active with Dorothy and our son, Austin. We do a lot of hiking and biking and getting out. And uh, I keep reminding myself that God's got this, uh, that he, he's got a purpose and a plan, and that will be accomplished even when I think that, you know, boy, we could do it so much more efficiently or so much better or whatever, you know, just, again, recognizing um, that it's not all about me, that uh, God has a plan. When um, we moved to, we moved from Tokyo to Detroit, uh, and we had our, our three boys were there. So when our kids graduated high school, I would take them out. We, you know, we'd have like a ceremony, kind of like you've accomplished high school, uh, and we'd have a, a talk. And for my second son, when that when we were in that moment, I was like, I was apologizing to him because his transition was probably the hardest being in middle school <clears throat> and making a transition from a great experience in Tokyo to a challenging experience in Detroit. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, can't we do that to you? And, da, 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 da. and, and I will never forget his words to me, which I think exemplify this point. He just said, dad's not all about you. He said, God had a plan for my life. And, and it was hard, but he's working that through, you know, and that, that it's not all about you. I've never forgotten that. And I'm just like, that is so true. Whereas sometimes either I want it to be that way or I'm, or, or I'm guilty. Like I feel guilty, but that it is that, you know, that it's all about me, but, but it's, it's just so not, it's just so not all about me. God has this bigger plan and he's working all these threads together. And um, yeah, it just, Hanging on to that and then not taking myself so seriously, making sure I'm hanging out with fun people, being active, and uh, keep reminding myself that God's got this. Those, uh, those work well uh, in keeping me feeling young at heart, at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I can't imagine how proud you must have felt as a father at that moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, could you share? Uh, some of your successes and maybe even failures with regards to maintaining a healthy balance of, of family and ministry? That is constantly a, um, uh, a challenge and a conversation and you know, something that you think about is, is, is balancing your life and family and ministry. When I don't do the above, like, or when I don't do the things that we just talked about, um, when I think that everything depends on me, uh, then I lose my awareness of the various roles that I have in life. And I just focus on my you know, leadership role or my whatever role. Something I do every week <clears throat> is uh, I do, for me, it works best on a Friday afternoon. I, I just review my life and review my work. And, but one of the questions in that review is, um, remembering my roles in life. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a disciple. I'm a, a, a brother. My, my parents are dead, but I still have three brothers uh, who are all married. You know, uh, I, I'm a coworker. I'm a friend, you know, remembering those roles. And I just ask the Holy Spirit, is there something I need to be working on in one of these roles next week? You know, as I look into the next week, you know, am I uh, blind to something or, or should I be tuned into something in one of these roles? I look at all of my roles and that's been really helpful in keeping that awareness up because again, when I think that I'm important or things depend on me, then I will just narrow down to that one leadership role or, you know, um, and, and I will get out of balance with recognizing that I, I wear these other hats and I have these other roles in people's lives and, and they have roles in my life, you know, um, that I just need to recognize and um, be tuned into, be aware of the presence of those roles and my function in them. And am I living out those things? Well, not to put the big heavy pressure on, like, oh man, I got all this stuff to do, but rather to just 
be aware and let the Holy Spirit bring up um, at different times, you know, in different weeks, like remember when my father was still alive, remember to call your dad, you know, remember to, to connect with your, your father. That was a pretty regular one that came up on those Fridays. Uh, remember to, to get flowers for your wife or to what, you know, whatever, do something special for Dorothy. Those in that moment of review, that's when I kind of like sat down and realized or remembered and reviewed, okay, I've got all these roles. What do I need to be tuned into here um, to be a good steward, to be a good um, disciple in all of these things? And that that's really helped me. Mm -hmm. That's good. I might have to steal that from you. <laughs> um, could you share with us something that has had a, a major impact on you um, that you think it'd be beneficial to share, whether it be a quote, a uh, word of advice, um, another, another book or other resource yeah. that would be worthy of recommending? The thing that comes to mind, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure if I thought about this longer, I'd have all kinds of things. But the thing that comes to mind is uh, there is a book called Crucial, Con Crucial Conversations. And one of the things they talk about in that book is capturing the story that uh, an event happens. Um, you know, a, somebody makes a criticism about you. That's the event. <clears throat> and then you have this emotional reaction to it. You, you're angry, you're embarrassed, you're whatever. Uh, but in between there, in between that event happening and your emotion taking place, you told yourself a story. You, you created a story to make sense of the event. Um, and those stories shape uh, our choices. And our choices become our habits. Our habits are informed by our relationships and that shapes our character. You know, those stories are really, really critical in what actually happens in our character and our, our choices and our habits later on. So capturing those stories and checking to make sure that they um, are true and are accurate to reality it has become super important to me. So when I have meetings with my uh, coworkers, at the end of our time together, I always ask them a question. Is there any conversation that you're avoiding? You know, um, is, there, is there a conversation that you, to, in order to check a story, I actually ask two questions. Are there any stories that you need to check with me? You know, anything where, where I've said something or you've read something that I wrote or, or a decision I made or whatever, <clears throat> and you've told yourself a story to make sense of that, you know, any, any of those stories that you need to check just to make sure that, you know, we're, we're accurate, we're, we're aligned with reality. And then oftentimes that also will lead to, well, then there's a conversation I need to have. If I, if I'm, I've got this real, uh, if I have a, a strong emotion, I've told a story and I, I need to have a conversation to check that story. So are there any conversations that you're avoiding? And if you're avoiding that conversation, is the Holy Spirit telling you to just drop it, get over it? Is the Holy Spirit telling you to wait for, like, now's not the time? Or is the Holy Spirit saying, now is the time. You better get on that, you know, and have that, check that story, have that conversation, you know. So just our... The, the habit of checking our stories regularly, being intentional with those things because they shape our choices, which form our habits, which shape our character. You know, being careful that we've got, we've got a, a, a clear understanding of what is real in those situations and, and in those relationships with people. Uh, that's been really important to me in um, both, you know, secular books and or that particular secular book, but then John Mark Homer in, in a lot of his material, he really talks about that, that uh, uh, progression from story to choices, to habits, to uh, character, and how that formation is happening in us all the time. That, that's important. Uh, that's one thing I'd be really, watch, that I do watch in my own life, and I encourage others to watch in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. We it's so easy to 
to tell ourselves negative stories um, and can really become a burden on on us and on others if we if we let that cause us to have a brood of bitterness or something mm-hmm. i I know a lot about the crucial conversations book, but I still have not read it for myself. So I, I really need to <laughs> read that this year. It's just January. So I have there you go. <laughs> put in your good reads. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, final question. I think, uh, what brings you joy? Mm. Relationships, seeing people transformed by Jesus um, <clears throat> incrementally or significantly, but changing because of the love and the truth and the presence of Jesus and, and being a part of that, being, you know, bringing the presence of Jesus into relationships, into community, into our neighborhood. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, relationships are, that they bring joy. Uh, our neighbors, we, we moved recently um, in last April, and we've been able to get to know our neighbors pretty good, and we're looking forward this year to having people over um, more often, and, and just being able to develop those relationships and share Jesus in those relationships and see people, you know, transformed by his presence. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a game changer for us. Uh, brings a lot of joy to us. That's fantastic. Well, I think that uh, you are in a, a good job for your, your personality and your, your heart. Um, and so thankful for the role that you've played. Um, just you are one of the people I most look up to. And um, this, this can be edited, uh, removed if, if you don't want to answer it or if you don't have an answer. Uh, but as you're uh, looking at uh, retiring from your position, what what do you see coming next for you and your your family? Um, we'd love to be able to focus on one thing, <laughs> <laughs> one country, one people group, one team, something like that. Just to be able to to focus. This. Um, when I came into this role. <clears throat> There was, uh, you know, there's lots of places in, in the send world where people were in, you know, under stress and needing some help, whatever. And one of the, the older leaders, Robin and Jan Pocklington, uh, they came to me and they said, listen, just, you know, that country there, that team there, don't worry about them. Just, we'll take care of them. We'll go and visit them. We will regularly, you know, weekly connect with them. And, and just kind of come in as, you know, grandparents, whatever, and, and mentor them through. And that was such a gift. It was such an incredible gift. I just did not have to worry about that country or that, that set of teams over there because I knew Robin and Jan were taking care of them. Mm. Uh, we'd love to be able to do that for the next director, uh, international director, just to say, you know, that, that thing over there, don't worry about it, man. We'll, we, you know, we'll dig in. We'll go travel there. We will, you know, video conference them every week. We will be praying for them. You know, we will be there for you know, that group and just help them work through whatever this thing is right now. And just don't worry about that. I, I'd love to be able to focus on one, <laughs> one country, one kind of issue, as opposed to, uh, you know, having to be, aware of and dealing with things from many places. It's fantastic. I know that would be a, a blessing to, to those who, who would need that. Um, and yeah, you're always, you're always welcome here. I know you've, you've been trying to make your way out here, but. COVID I mean, stuff. like we were, we had the plans, right. With Philip and Lynn, we were going to be there. And then, yeah, the COVID restrictions just kind of. It'll, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just want to thank you again so much for your time and, um, and for your, your example for us younger guys. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. You guys, you, yeah. As I've said many times before, uh, a thing that helps me get up in the morning is just knowing that you're there in Romania, that you're 
you're living and working and, and sharing Jesus. And I just want to make sure that you're able to do that with as, with as much passion, motivation, and diffuse, you know, complexities or restrictions or whatever, so that you're free to go be, you know, his hands and feet in that place. That's super motivating to get up in the morning when we can't be living overseas, when we can't be, you know, out there doing that, that we can be here um, clearing a path so that you can be doing what you're doing there, making disciples and planting a church. Uh, yeah, that's super motivating for us. Yeah, we keep praying that, that God would uh, continue to show us the way. And um, we're excited about what he's, what he's got going. Big things, right? Big yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Warren. Okay, well, thank you, Nathan. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I have uh, never really heard somebody talk about using fun to be the way to get to know others better and allow them to be more relaxed and comfortable. What a great way to minister to others and to build trust. I think it was also really encouraging to hear about the progressive nature of God's call. This is really playing out in our life and ministry, and it was kind of a shock to me that God would lead us somewhere different than he had led us before. It was so helpful to hear from Warren uh, about some of the reasons he'd been chosen to lead SEND, and I think that uh, these things make a great list of ways that we can all grow as leaders. Well, I could, I could go on and on because there was just so much to chew on, but I'll let you all go in case you want to go ahead and listen to it again. <laughs> One thing I think is clear is that uh, though Warren's journey has been extremely challenging and he's had suffering as his constant companion, because he's always following Jesus, he is living for the joy. Y'all have a good one and do the same.